black thing go from left to right, and I thought, I'm going to die out here. No one's ever going to know. I couldn't believe what my eyeballs were showing me. I'll never forget how evil the eyes were. It was horrible. I mean, I've never seen nothing that evil. It ran towards me at a, at a rate that I, I, I can't even explain. Turned and stared at me. And this look of, I just want to kill you. I want to say it was human, but it wasn't. He was, he, was, he was yelling at me to grab a gun, grab a gun. I was like, for what? He said, just grab a gun. And there's footprints all the way to the door of my house. It had went inside my garage all the way to the door. 
and we hear this howling coming from towards the entrance of the ca- of the uh, the canyon. Looking back on it, it was closer to the Ohio howl. You know, I turned and looked at my dad. I was only like 15, maybe 16 years old at the time. I was like, Dad, what what is that? And he's, he's like, I, I have no idea. It was really loud, but it sounded far away. It had called, you know, vocalized and um, a couple times, and then we hear a response from behind us. And where our camp spot was, was situated, we were we kind of had our backs to to another uh, to another hill, and there were game trails and everything that we could see. And there was snow on the ground. It was a pretty lit up night, and we hear a response from behind us, and we start getting worried. And I was like, well, you know, Dad, what is that? I I have no idea. We keep hearing the howl from let's say our, our right-hand side, but further, further north to us. And then we hear a whoop come from our backs. And well, we, of course, weren't thinking Sasquatch at the time, but uh, it had continued, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, a call and response. But every time the one on our, in front of us would call, it would move. We could hear that it was getting closer. And then the one behind us, let's say it started out at our, let's say four o'clock position. It would rotate to like our six o'clock position. So we were hearing the sounds move. And I was like, dad, you know, we need to load up the guns. So we got up, pulled all the guns out of the car, loaded them up. And, uh, the, the the call and response was kept going for a few more minutes and then it just stopped. So we, uh, we turned in for the night and, uh, you know, well, me and my dad were in the tent. I was like, you know, we, we'll, let's go out in the morning and see, see if we can find any tracks or anything. He was like, you know, that's a good idea. So we got up the next morning and we didn't know it, but it had snowed sometime during the night and it, it wasn't a super heavy snow, but it was enough to cover our tracks and in the camp that, that was it. That was the whole, but it was weird because it, it definitely sounded like there was at least two. Yeah. The one that was whooping, how close was it to your camp? I would say maybe 200 yards. I mean, there, there was the road kind of covered up some of our view the road was kind of elevated. You had to pull down into the, it's called the yellow post site out here in California. And, um, so it kind of blocked some of our view, but you could see the, the, the trees and we couldn't see anything moving, but it was dead silent other than the, the, the howling and the whooping. Yeah. And that's interesting. And, and for the audience, uh, here is the Ohio howl.
Is that what you heard? Is that yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what we heard coming from our our left hand side. And then it was um, from behind us. It was kind of a uh, it's, it's a really bad impression, but it was uh, it, you would hear the howl, and then you would hear a behind us yeah that's creepy what what did your dad think it was he didn't know he, you know and it wasn't we had gotten back to the house and you know it was several months later and you know my my dad's always watched bigfoot shows like the, you know in search of and and uh, i don't even know if monster quest was out at the time but we've since watched that and you know the other show we were watching one show and I think Jeff Meldrum was, was featured on this show and they were playing some audio samples. And that pretty much the first time that we had heard the, the Ohio howl, we were watching it together and the hair on the back of our neck stood up and we're like, Hey, that's, that's what we heard. Yeah. And it's, it's scary to hear that. And what I think I find it fascinating that people hear it in different areas. Like that guy had sent me a recording one time from Texas and it's basically the Ohio howl. It's a little different, but I mean, it's it's basically that's the howl it's doing. And then I had a guy in Virginia send me audio, and it sounds just like the Ohio howl. And then you're in you know California, and you're hearing it. That's really interesting to me that you would hear the same vocalization from one region to the next. Uh, yeah. Did that to kind of spark your interest into Sasquatch? Yeah, it did. It wasn't. It wasn't until I really, well, I found your show last year and, uh, you're the best out there. I've listened to a few other ones. Some of the sounds that you guys play on this show is it's just, it's creepy because like, that's what I heard out here. And I'm in Southern California. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. It's, you definitely, uh, there's definitely encounters in Southern California. I wouldn't, I think for me coming from Washington state down to Southern California, my first impression, I thought, no way, uh, they're down here. But when you get off of the highway, uh, what appears to be kind of a high desert and in some areas it is, uh, but it's very deceiving when you get off the road, there actually is a lot of cover. There's a lot of food. Um, and there's a lot of water in a lot of areas. And so it's very deceiving. And there's been reports that have gone on in Southern California. You know, the Zubies, uh, the doctor that said he had Zubies living on his property, and he's basically describing Sasquatch. Uh, so that it goes back a long ways in Southern California. And uh, But that, you know, that's terrifying when you're out there and you hear that, and you're not really sure what you're listening to. And, yeah. you know, a lot of times when people hear those kind of vocalizations, their first thought isn't Bigfoot. Their first thought is confusion and, and what is this and what am I hearing? Um, and then you when you hear the whoop, like it's returning the call, uh, that's what you hear from a lot of witnesses, almost like they're calling back and forth to each other. I don't know if it's a locator call or, or what it is. Uh, I haven't been yeah. able to figure that part out yet. It was, it was definitely a call and response because we, we'd hear the howl. And the howl would change in pitch. You know, it was basically the same call, but uh, it would change in pitch. And then, I don't know, five, ten seconds later, we hear the response. And the one that was the one that was behind us sounded definitely closer. It sounded like it was up on up on the little ridge that was behind our camp. And when we woke up in the morning, 
we we had full intention to go look for tracks. And uh, when we looked up on the hill, we could see game trails just crisscrossing the entire hill. I was like, you know, whatever it was, was, you know, probably up on the hill last night calling back. Yeah. And you hear a lot of people have your type of encounter uh, where you hear it, but you don't see it. And that's an, that's an interesting encounter. And I, I really appreciate you coming on, Matt, and, uh, you know, sharing it with the audience. I, I think all encounters are fascinating. Well, thanks for having me, Wes. Well, next up, I want to welcome uh, Russell and uh, Bob Gimlin. How are you fellows down there and doing down there in Southern California? Loving the sunshine. We're doing great. We're, we're doing real good, Wes. Thank you. And uh, lots of people here and a lot of people with, to meet and visit with and get pictures and sign autographs. Now, now you guys down there for a conference? Is that why you guys are down there? Actually, we are down here for a uh, season finale, final episode of the, the, uh, the sh- series uh, Finding Bigfoot, where last, uh, their last show is being filmed on location here in Willow Creek, California, and they have a great big crowd here with vendors and, and entertainers and everything else. And uh, Actually, yesterday... Tell them what they did to you, Bob, yesterday. Well, yesterday, Wes, uh, they called us, and uh, we went down to an area. That was, there was, wasn't nothing like the people here today, but there was a lot of people there. They had a ribbon across the road down there. And uh, as we drove in, I looked up at the sign, and it says Gimlin Way. So this ribbon across the road, they had a ceremony there with a couple of women that, that honored me with uh, the Bigfoot thing that's happened in 1967 plus that they wanted to uh, uh, honor me with a, a, a sign for a, a road called Gimlin Bigfoot Way, or, or oh. Gimlin Way, not Gimlin Bigfoot Way, but Gimlin Way. So that was really an honor, and uh, a cute little girl on each side, of course, handed me a pair of scissors. I clipped the, the ribbon, and, and that was the program down there. That, And then there was a lot of pictures taken, there with the, with the road sign of Gimlin Way, and uh, so it was really quite an honor to uh, have my uh, name put on a road just outside of Willowcrack. Yeah, that's pretty cool event. That's really cool. Yeah. Beautiful women and their name well, road, it, roads after you can't go wrong there. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I just settled for the beautiful women. Yeah, no, course, I'm with you. But it was just frosting on the cake to have. Uh, a, a road named uh, Gimlin Way, you know, and so therefore uh, I was uh, I was walking high, and the hat didn't fit the rest of the day. Of course, <laughs> Bob finally got his way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God, I finally got my way. That's <laughs> After awesome. Forty nine years, I Wes, I got my way. Yeah, that's awesome. That brings a smile to my face. That's awesome, Bob. I'll have to. Uh, I saw those pictures on Facebook, Thank and you. I thought, wow, they just they. That's strange. They found a road named after Bob, and I saw you pointing at. I think Russell posted the pictures, and I, I'll throw it up on the uh, Facebook if if that's okay with you guys, or on my website if that's okay with you guys. But I saw it, and I was like, wow, you that's bet. really cool that they found a road named after Bob, but they actually named it after you. That's even cooler, you know. Yes, they did, Wes, and uh, it's it's there to stay, I guess, unless. Somebody comes by and pulls it down. You know, I don't know why they would because uh, it's a it's a road right out at the edge of the city. I think it's still part of the city. No, it's. I think it points towards the exit, Bob. It's your way out of town. 
By golly, I didn't notice that. Uh, anyway, well, Liz, you, know, you know how things happen. Yeah, you don't pull down a old cowboy sign without a so you know him throwing you a beating. So I don't think anyone will touch it. But that's a huge honor, and uh, I'm glad they're doing that for you. And that's really cool to be down there for the last filming of uh, uh, Finding Bigfoot. And I can't wait to see you out there, Bob, at uh, the International Bigfoot Conference. And I know for the audience listening. Uh, it's always a treat to to meet Bob. He's just such a – he's one of those guys, same with Russell. He's, these are the type of guys that where I don't think anyone could ever say anything bad about either one of these guys. They're just nice guys, humble guys, cool guys to talk to, whether it's Bigfoot or whatever, uh, just cool guys to talk to. And I thank you both for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Wes. We appreciate that a lot. And I know speaking of the International Bigfoot Conference – and uh, for people out there, um, you know, Google International Bigfoot Conference or just go to the International Bigfoot Conference dot uh, com and definitely get your tickets. As Russell and I uh, discussed on the last show, I'll be out there. I know we're trying to work in some uh, some poker. And do you play poker, Bob? Well, um, awkwardly. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Well, maybe we can get Bob involved in some of it. Uh, but it, you know, it'll be, it's all for fun. Like we said, it's not a money game. It's more or less for fun and we may have prizes and it's something that Russell and I will talk more about. Uh, but Russell, if you would, would you mind giving the audience the dates again? Uh, September 1st, 2nd and 3rd in Kennewick, Washington at the three rivers convention center is the international Bigfoot conference that will take place over Labor Day weekend. It's, uh, Bob Gimlin is not there presenting himself as a speaker he is presenting himself there as a special guest because we're honoring the 50-year anniversary of the patterson gimlin film and there'll be a lot of speakers that will actually discuss that so it's going to be a real big treat to have bob there um all the information as far as speakers prizes uh vendor tables tickets t-shirts and hoodies that are actually you can order your some of your stuff online right now but they're only to be picked up at the conference by the time you pay for a, a T-shirt and mail it, it's just counterproductive to do it that way. But in, since I'm making the T-shirts for the conference, we don't want to over or under buy T-shirts for the conference. So it'll be uh, Bob as a as a guest, Dr. Jeff Meldrum, Cliff Berrickman from Finding Bigfoot, Adam Davis, Derek Randalls. There's a, a really great lineup that's going to be there over the Labor Day weekend. Yeah, and I'm excited to go. And for the audience, go to the internationalbigfootconference.com and definitely order your tickets before they're gone. Uh, last year was a blast, and I know there was a ton of people last year, and I'm, I would anticipate probably double the amount of people will be this year. So definitely get your tickets. Go to the internationalbigfootconference.com, uh, click on the tickets, and uh, it's a beautiful venue. The hotel is beautiful. I mean, it's just I can't say enough about that conference and, and just the setting. It's it's a great place. Um, and, Russell, I wanted to ask you, for the audience, so they can get to know you, uh, what was it that got you interested in into Bigfoot? It's, it's kind of a discussion about how small this world really is, but I actually saw the Patterson-Gimlin film in a theater on a I, – I, I believe I was only six or seven years old at the time, and I saw it in uh, Romney, West Virginia, with my parents took us there. And I was hooked. I've never had uh, a sighting of my own. I've always believed. I've always had a, a, a lot of ideas about it. I've heard a tremendous amount of stories. 
it was at that point where I thought, you know, I've heard enough stories and I've listened to enough of these testimonials. I started getting a feel for their habitat, the, the consistencies that were real. Everybody had the same general idea. So I wrote a couple books, uh, fiction books. I'm in the middle of a trilogy. I've got the first two done. The third one will be done. Uh, I'm still working on it. But it's been, um, it was the Gimlin Patterson film that got me hooked at such an early age. And it's really difficult to let go of once that bug gets you. It's, it, that seek, find, and prove and gather evidence. And it's just exciting. Yeah. And, and that goes back to uh, Bob's credit. You know, when I had Bob on the show, Bob, uh, you, that whole Patterson Gimlin film would have never have happened without you. And I know now later in life, you're starting to get the credit you deserve for it. But, you know, I, I talked to so many people on and off the air and I'll ask them beyond an encounter, what really got them interested in it? And they will say the Patterson Gimlin film. And that goes to your credit, Bob, because without you, thank you, it would have never happened. And I know you've gotten all kinds of uh, crap over the years, and you've been kicked around, and probably like most of us, but you've probably gotten it a thousand times more than the rest of us. Uh, but honestly, it changed everything, and I wouldn't be here today without you. Uh, probably none of these guys would be here today without you. I think it really lit the fire for a lot of people, and I hear it all the time, the Patterson-Gimlin film. When something's on film, it's hard to argue with that. It's hard to go, well, you know, it's... Uh, so anyway, the point in my rambling, Bob, is I want to thank you for it, because uh, all of these researchers and investigators, and uh, it all comes back to the Patterson-Gimlin film. And for the audience, if they haven't heard, I think it was episode 90, it was a while back, Bob, but uh, that would have never happened uh, without Bob. And I'm glad to see you're getting some of the credit that, you know, that's due to you, Bob. Well, thank you, Wes, because, uh, you know, I did have some bumps in the road at one time. But then after 2003, I became very, very rich, not in dollars. But, Wes, meeting all of you wonderful people and having friends like Russell right here and uh, the pickup and uh, all the people that I meet out there that want autographs and pictures, uh, that's my reward. Uh, you know, uh, I never made any money, which doesn't really matter because I feel that I'm very rich to have friends uh, throughout different countries in the United States. And so, therefore, uh, I feel really blessed to be part of all of this. And I, and I, I don't want to say that, that I feel bad without you guys getting hooked on the Patterson-Gimlin film because let me tell you uh, – I, there was a time in my life where I, I, I was asked, were, would you do it again? And I, I said, no, no, no way would I go do it again. And then after 2003, uh, Wes, I found out that, yes, I would gladly do anything again to be able to meet all of the wonderful people and visit with them and talk to people as yourself that got kind of hooked on it at a very young age. And uh, that's just music to my ears, Wes. Well, not only that, but, you know, there's a newer generation. I talked to a 12-year-old kid, and he let me know he was turning 13. You know, that that was important for me to know that <laughs> it's funny as you get older, you know, you don't want to you want to stay the age you are. You don't want to. And as you're younger, you want to. Anyway, I just thought it was funny. He was 12. He wanted to let me know he was turning 13. What was interesting is when I talked to him, he brought up the Patterson Gimlin film. He's watched it over and over and over again on YouTube. 
And he said, do you know Bob personally? Do you know, you know, it was like he was asking me about if I knew Tom Cruise. Uh, He wanted to know everything about you and he really wanted to meet you one day. And so it has made a bigger impact, Bob, than I think you probably realize. And I think you mean more to people than you probably realize. I know you go to these conferences and and I've seen it. I've seen it on several occasions where you can't even take a step. You're just crowded with people. Uh, But I hope you take all that to heart because you do mean a lot to a lot of people and uh, the impact you've made on this whole subject that all of us are just enthralled in, uh, you're, you've made the biggest impact. And so I think uh, I just want you to know that, you know, it's, I know you hear it all the time from, from everyone, but, uh, I think you mean more than I think you realize. And I'm excited to see you up at the international Bigfoot conference. I know you and I've met on different conferences and Beachfoot and, uh, downtown Portland. Yeah. And, uh, but I get excited just like everyone else to see, uh, and uh, I just can't wait to see you at the International Bigfoot Conference. And, and again, for the audience out there, uh, go to the International Bigfoot Conference and get your tickets now. Uh, it's coming up. I know September seems far away, but it's coming up quickly. And definitely get your tickets. I'll be out there. Not that that means any anything to anyone. Uh, <laughs> but I'll be out there. It's Bob will be out there. <laughs> uh, Russell, and it's a great it, it, Russell does a great job putting it on. I was very impressed uh, last year, and I can't wait to uh, to see what he does this year. So, internationalbigfootconference.com. And, uh, fellas, I appreciate you guys coming on, taking the time to come on. Well, thank you a lot, Wes, because it's an honor to be uh, speaking to you uh, through the radio system and whatever other it is. You know, uh, Wes, th- this is I'm just honored, uh, and I'm always honored to meet everybody that's uh, that's interested in the subject and that is interested, that was able to, uh, even at a young age, like Russell said, at a young age, and it made a difference in their life. You know something? That, uh, those same people make a difference in my life, and, and the difference is very, very good. So, and having you as a friend also makes a big difference. So, uh, Wes, I'll see you. Over there uh, on Saturday uh, on Labor Day weekend, uh, and uh, I won't speak because Russell's got some really good speakers there, and he mentioned them. They're they're above and beyond those guys that he has there, and so it's my honor just to be able to be there and meet the people that come to that, and I'll get to visit with you, Wes, and uh, and some other great people that I've met in the past, you know. And then the ones that I'm going to meet there that I haven't met in the past, you see. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing that a lot here. We're seeing that a lot here at this uh, event here at the Finding Bigfoot. I've, we've, I'm kind of hanging out with Bob to make sure he doesn't get mauled. But it seems like you're right. We can't take but a couple steps, and somebody's wanting to get a picture or something signed, and to spend a lot of time with Bob. And it's, it's just amazing to see the age groups too, from, from. Just all age brackets are interested, even the, the youngest ones to, you know, a more mature age. We're all kind of following that, that path. I do look forward to seeing you at the conference, Wes. I do look forward to, and I'm, I'm, I'm throwing this out there right now. I know we're going to have a few tables of poker going on, but if I end up getting to sit at that final, final poker table with you across the table from you, you better get ready to pay up. <laughs> hey, wh- hey, Wes, I got a question. Uh, yes, sir. I-, I hate to bring this up on the air, but uh, do I need to put my 44 on the table when I play 
uh, poker with you guys. You might. <laughs> you might. It depends on how much we're drinking. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Wes, I'll look and see if there's a bottle of Pendleton underneath the table there, and anybody's swigging on it, tell them, tell me it's tea. I'll uh, I'll play careful with that guy. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to do that, Bob. I'm not going to put any weapons on the table because I think Wes has got fast enough hands he'd take it from us. I, I like that. I like, uh, <laughs> yes, sir, I, I like that. Well, I could act like I had one there. I really don't even have a 44. Uh, yeah. But, uh, no, it'll be a lot of fun. You know, I can't wait. I really can't wait for it. And, uh, you know, we just had a small game going last year, and uh, a lot of people that were asking me, well, how did you, where were you guys playing poker at? Where Where was all the poker going on? And I had mentioned it to Russell, and I said, hey, man, we should do poker. You know, why not make it fun? Not everything has to be uh, Bigfoot. It's more of the – it's not the final destination. It's the journey and the fun of, of getting to other people. Socializing, getting to interact, absolutely. And I I will talk to the convention center about giving me a, a, a space for a couple of roundtables and get to have some fun that way because I'm all about enjoying the conference as well. You know, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Well, socialism and, and being able to have fellowship is is as important as talking about Bigfoot or anything about the subject. Uh, being able to socialize with people and have fellowship is very, very important. And have if you've got a little time, maybe to listen to, to their experiences. Uh, sometimes that be, becomes a little tough to do because. Uh, you know how some folks are. They they, they they take them quite a while to talk about their experiences, and then there's somebody else would like to be able to visit with you a little bit. And you hate to be rude, so pretty soon uh, you say, "I got to go to the bathroom" or something. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Well, I can't wait to see you guys, and um, I hope people go on and get tickets and to see us all out there. I'm gonna try and drag Woody with me, and uh, I can't Excellent. wait. Okay. I can't wait. Thank you, Wes. Well, we hope the walls are bulging by the time uh, Russ gets lined up there on a Thursday afternoon. I know there's a powerful lot of work to get done, uh, but Russell's the guy that can handle that because he's proved that last year. And see, uh, uh, I can't wait to get down there on Saturday as quick as I can uh, bust loose from the, the old corral there and, and uh, yeah, get going. And so, uh, Wes, it's going to be a great honor to see you there. Oh, the honor is mine. I can't wait. And I appreciate you guys coming on. Wes, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out for us. We're having a great weekend here. We'll talk um, soon. If you have anything, any questions, you can find us on uh, internationalbigfootconference.com website. There's a contact email there so that if people have questions, they can uh, reach straight out there and get a hold of us that way as well. Thanks, fellas. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, Wes. Have a good day. And next up on the show, I want to welcome Alex to the show. You know, not everything you run into is Sasquatch. And uh, when you hear Alex's story, it's it's very riveting. Uh, Alex, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Wes. And if you would, for the audience, just kind of start from the very beginning. Tell us what you're out doing and then uh, walk us into what you saw. Well, it was uh, in April of 07. I was 17 years old at the time, and uh, me and a friend of mine, we were at a, a park in a normal, you know, little town. A lot of people come there. Uh, it's got, like, little water parks and playgrounds and stuff, but it's also got a trail. Uh, it's a few miles long, 
that goes, uh, you know, out to a creek. And on the other side of the creek is just dense forest. And uh, we had went out there for the day. We walked to the creek and we sat out there until sunset. And uh, after that, we, uh, you know, made our walk back. And we had been walking about 15, 20 minutes. So it was, it was dark outside, probably about 8, 30, 9, 9 o'clock at night. I live in the western part of Tennessee. And uh, when we were walking back, we came to a fork in the road. And uh, I told her I wanted to go right. She wanted to go left. There was no lights or anything out on this path. But it was a wooded, you know, a wooded walkway. And uh, so we went left. And when we were starting to round this bend, we could see some sort of kind of glow through the trees. We figured it was probably somebody on their cell phone or something. There really wasn't many people out there, you know, that late since there's no lights. We walked around the corner. We saw this human-like thing, um, very thin, but it had a, uh, I guess we'll start with the color. It had a luminosity to it of uh, almost a seafoamish greenish gray tint. I'm assuming that it was very white, and the moon shining off of it probably gave it that glow, but I don't know for sure. The body structure of it was like a human, and I don't mean to be rude or anything, but um, almost anorexic type look to it. Um, very bony, very thin. You could see the muscle lines in it. Uh, you could see, you know, the shoulder blades, the sh- tops of the shoulders sticking out. They almost came to a point. The spine, you could see sticking out from the top of the head all the way down to the tailbone. The tail end came almost to a point and it was crouched down, but wasn't touching the ground all the way. And it was on the balls of its feet. So it almost looked like it was on its tiptoes and it had its arms between its legs, just kind of dangling, you could see that its wrists were bent against the ground. I couldn't really see its hands. And uh, it was a profile view of it. Um, its head was looking off into the woods. And when we walked up on it, you know, it was a sheer profile picture of it. And um, we stood there for a minute, you know, just kind of staring at it. We had no idea what it was, and it, it wouldn't move. So uh, we, we stood there for a few minutes, and um, I stomped a few times. We, you know, kind of called out to it. It looked like a human. Um, it was hairless from what we could tell, uh, naked. So if it was a human, it was naked. <laughs> but um, we stomped. Uh, you know, I, I said a few things. It never moved. It never made any motion whatsoever. After a few minutes of, you know, standing there, we were kind of like, okay, well, you know, I guess let's turn around and go the other way. Because it was, it was a creepy sight. But, um I don't know, something wanted me to keep standing there and looking at it. So I, I started to approach it. I probably only took like two steps, but I did it in a stomping motion. And I picked up some debris off the side of the, uh, of the path, you know, like just little dirt and rocks and stuff and kind of threw it right there. Sort of next to it, but not really. It was probably about, I'd say maybe 10 foot away from me. And at the, at the time, it seemed very small. But um, now that I have kids, uh, I've got a five-year-old that's, probably almost three and a half foot, four foot. And, um, you know, I've seen him crouch down in that same position. So it was way too tiny to be that small. So I'd say somewhere between five and six foot, the, uh, knees came up to the shoulders. When I, when I finally started to approach it and, you know, stomped at it, it rolled its shoulders back in a very slow, but fluent way. And it just kind of dropped them down into place in almost a jerking motion. And, as soon as the shoulder dropped down into place, it turned its head at me insanely quick. And 
as soon as it turned its head, I mean, it seemed like an eternity because we were terrified, but, um, I was probably there maybe two seconds, but from what I saw, it had no ears, no nose, no eye. Uh, well, it had, I guess, eyes, eye sockets, uh, no mouth. And really the only thing that was visible on its face was two big black holes where the eyes should be. And, um, even from the profile view, you know, where we sat and stared at this thing for at least five to seven minutes, it still didn't seem to have a nose or ears or a protruding brow or anything. It was just almost like a flat face or like its head might've been turned a little bit where we couldn't have seen its face. Once it, once it actually finally turned and looked at me, uh, there was no visible face, facial features other than the big black hole for eyes. And so what did you do next? I took off running. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think my, my friend was out of there a, f- a few seconds before me. I think she was out of there during the shoulder roll. And uh, that was probably the creepiest part about the whole thing. Um, you know, like I said, we stood there five to seven minutes actually staring at whatever this creature was. And, you know, it obviously was not intimidated by us whatsoever. It just sat there and, you know, it didn't move when I talked or when I stomped or when I did anything until I approached it. And um, we were already probably only 10 foot away from it. So, I mean, we were a pretty close distance, I mean, to be able to see this thing. You know, she took off running as soon as it rolled its shoulders, and I took off running when it turned its head. I mean, I, I visibly remember it looking at me first. But um, the the scariest thing I think about it was the movement uh, more than its actual body and everything. Because, like I said, it looked it looked like a human, um, exactly like a human from the side view, just starving. <laughs> I mean, I guess this is the best way to put it. Um, you can see the rib cage and everything, and it had no visible stomach. Um, probably it was probably behind the legs, but, you know, it was just skin and bones, basically. It almost looked like if it was to have taken off running, it possibly could have run on all fours. Uh, just the way that the body was proportioned, I guess, is the best way to put it, because its, its legs and its arms were way longer than its torso, like abnormally long almost like a primate's arms are long like that. And you mentioned earlier when we were talking, it, it reminded you of the pink, was it Pink Floyd, The Wall? Yeah. Uh, in the beginning of Pink Floyd, The Wall, the movie, um, there's, you know, if you have people have seen it, uh, there's some creature with like gas mask faces during one of the songs. And uh, despite the head, the body looks exactly the same. That's probably the best reference I could give to it. Um or maybe if you thought of like a actual human sized golem from Lord of the Rings, maybe, but you know, it was, it was thin like that, but from Pink Floyd, the wall is probably the best description I have of what its body looks like. Um, and ironically, it's even in the same sort of crouching position. If you were to look it up on Google, I need to check that out. I said that earlier to another uh, researcher and he said, Oh yeah, no, I know exactly what she means. And I haven't seen that. So I'm not sure. I wanted to ask you, though, with regard to where its knees were and its arms, was it proportioned, excuse me, was it proportioned like uh, we as humans or was it different as far as obviously sitting in a weird position? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you were to, you know, just crouch down and put your arms between your legs and get on the balls of your feet while you do it, I mean, that's what it looked like, but extremely thin and the legs like if I was to get down like that, my legs come up to let's see, probably like my mid arm, you know, up on the top. But this one was the knees, the kneecaps were almost above the shoulders. I mean, the legs oh, wow. were just so long. 
Yeah, and that's strange. That's really strange. And, you know, yeah, you, you can run into strange things in the woods, though. It's not just Sasquatch. Believe me, I've heard a lot of strange things that people run into, and they report back to me. And it makes me wonder if it was a Sasquatch, like a, a skinny Sasquatch, maybe a white one, or if you saw something else. Uh, it kind of sounds like you saw something else. You know, sometimes when people see the Sasquatch uh, from the profile view, they'll say it had a flat face, almost like there was no, um, it's not a profile like a human profile. You know, you can see where the ridge kind of pops out, yeah. the nose, the lips, the chin. Uh, and people yeah. who see it from the side say it's just flat. Um, and so that's one interesting detail. But what, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, that was, that was one of the things. I mean, the, the, fl- the face was completely flat. I mean, even the brow area was, was flat, you know. And, I mean, even on primates or humans, you know, it's, we have a little bit of protrusion that comes, you know, up on our brow. And it was just almost like the face was completely flat. And even when it turned to look at me, I, I saw nothing but big dark circles. <laughs> yeah. And that's terrifying. What's terrifying about it beyond the, the creepy way you describe it is its reaction. Like it has no, yeah. I mean, there's no um, fear of you. There's no, all, you know, all of a sudden it just turns and looks at you and that's not a normal reaction for wildlife. That's not really a normal reaction for a primate. Um, that's very different. You would think anyway. I know Sasquatch sometimes does that where they don't really care that you're there. Uh, but for it to turn and look at you, <laughs> I think if I didn't have any uh, guns on me and I'm not you know, dropping lead down range, I think I probably would have turned and ran with your friend. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was out of there immediately when it turned and looked at me. Like I said, that was the creepiest part about the entire thing. You know, we sat there for so long staring at this thing, but when it moved, that was it. You know, it was it was the creepiest movement and it's it's hard to describe the way the shoulders rolled back, you know, without I guess showing somebody that, you know, it was like one shoulder went back and then the other shoulder went back and the shoulder that was closest to me is the one that went back last and it just dropped down into place. And as soon as like you you could see the shoulder blades and like the actual shoulder bones just kind of drop down, like almost in a jerking motion. And as soon as it looked like it like locked into place, it turned its head like, you know, really fast towards me. And I just remember looking at it and I was out of there. Yeah. I don't blame you. Did you and your friend talk yeah. about it? And what did you guys say? If you did, what did you, what did you guys think you ran into? No, when we took off running and we ran for a minute, <laughs> Uh, you know, we, we got back to the little fork area and we went to the right and, uh, we ran for a while. And once I guess we thought we were safe, you know, a safe distance anyway, we stopped and we both kind of looked at each other and, you know, kind of like, you know, what did we just see? And, uh, I guess we kind of, it looked almost like an alien, you know, or, you know, what you'd think of an alien-esque type thing to look like, you know, I guess maybe the way they portray it in the movies and stuff like that, not like big headed alien, but it was humanoid, but it had, I guess the color probably takes me there more than anything with that greenish tint coming off of it. But, um, you know, we, we talked about it, um, that night and she never talked to me again about that, um, at all. And I actually tried to reach out to her before I had emailed you to, you know, to get verification on, you know, some of the things, uh, that I recalled and stuff. And, uh, you know, it, it happened so quick. Um, but she still didn't, she wouldn't respond to that either. So, I mean, it's, it's been 10 years and it seems like she still doesn't want to talk about it. So, I mean, I, I don't blame her. The only person I ever told was, you know, my, my husband now, that was the night that it happened as soon as I got home. Cause he was really the only person I thought that would believe me. 
Yeah, and it's a terrifying. It really is a terrifying encounter. I mean, I can I can just picture myself right there as you tell it. And I, I mean, I think I would have ran too. Uh, what do you think you ran into, Alex? I mean, what's your honest opinion? If, if uh, let's say the term Bigfoot, Sasquatch, and all that aside, uh, what do you? I mean, I, I honestly have no idea. Uh, you know, we always just, I guess, kind of laughed. You know, at least that day when we actually talked about it, uh, and kind of joked it off as an alien. You know, but um, I believe in aliens. I believe in ghosts, paranormal things. I believe in Bigfoot. Uh, but I, I really, I don't, I don't know what I saw, you know, it was, it, it definitely looked like a human, you know, in every way, shape and form body wise, but it was, it was just so creepy. And, you know, it the way that it moved was not human. Like, you know, it was, it was too jerky and just off. Something was just off about its movements more than anything that, that really made me steer away from, you know, saying, hey, this is a human or, hey, this is an animal, you know. Yeah, and I was thinking, you know, if it's five feet crouched down, that's probably a pretty big tall creature when you think if it stood up. Yeah, because we were, like I said, we were probably about 10 foot away from it. And at the time, you know, it seemed like it was small to me. But, you know, after having somebody that's, you know, three and four foot running around me all the time that gets in those positions a lot, I realized that that's there. My children are really small compared to what I saw. And I've actually had my husband who's six foot one crouch down in that position. And that's about the size that it was with him crouched down. So, I mean, it could have very well been, you know, between five foot to six foot tall, maybe taller. Uh, Cause you know, even with my husband crouched in that position, I mean, this thing still had probably at least two more foot of leg on it. <laughs> and, you know, my husband's tall. So it, it was, it was definitely you know, while it had a human body, it was awkwardly proportioned, I guess is the best way to put it. I mean, it had insanely long legs and it had these long arms and you could tell, you know, between the legs that I couldn't see its hands, but you could tell that its wrists were bent on the ground. So, I mean, its arms had to be long enough to actually fold sort of underneath it. That's an amazing encounter. I bet it changed your mind on going back down that trail for a walk, huh? I've actually, yeah, I've actually never gone out there at all. I've, I've thought about it a few times, but I've, I've never had the nerve to do it. And a few of my family members kind of make fun of me. If I go out in the woods, I won't go left <laughs> if we're on a path. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I guess it's just something that's kind of stuck with me. I mean, I highly doubt, you know, my directional choice is going to make a difference, but you know, it's, it's always just kind of been in the back of my mind, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know what it was. And I just know that it was there and and from the way it looked, and I mean, you know, being so close to it, I would say that it was a flesh and blood creature. But I mean, I've I've had paranormal experiences in my life, so I'm not going to rule it out. But uh, it it looked flesh and blood to me. Yeah. No. And and obviously, uh, you know, your friend freaking out, you know, and running off. I mean, that uh, the whole encounter story. Yeah, she just left me there. <laughs> well, usually that's the way gone. it happens. You know, usually that's the way it happens. Yeah. I mean, even when we were standing there looking at it, she was, you know, behind me the entire time because she was that nervous. And I, I actually recall her trying to take a picture of it. And, you know, this is back in 07 before iPhones. I think we were still using like Razor, you know, the flip phone Motorola Razors. Yeah. And they didn't have the best cameras anyway. But I recall her trying to take a picture of it and just the screen ended up black, you know, while we were still standing there just kind of chatting about this thing that wouldn't move or do anything, you know, standing in our path. And, you know, that was, that was the other weird thing. You know, it was 
sitting right in the middle of the path. You know, when we walked around the corner, it just was sitting there. It wasn't doing anything. It wasn't, you know, eating or it, it didn't just just sitting there, you know, it didn't, it didn't move. It didn't even really look like it was breathing, to be honest, now that I think about it, you know, I mean, I could see it so vividly. I could see the bones. I could see the muscles like down the sides of the legs because it was so thin. And, you know, I don't remember any sort of movement on this creature whatsoever. I mean, the whole time that we're talking, stomping, you know, making all these noises to try to get it off of our path. Cause I, I think when we first walked up on it, we tried to be like, okay, you know, maybe this is an animal or something and our eyes are just bad. But, uh, you know, the longer we sat there and looked at it, it wasn't an animal. It was, it was definitely humanoid, uh, you know, with body shape and everything. So, but, um, I'm not, I'm not sure what it was. And I, I just know that it was, it was scary, you know, and the, the movements of it were so awkward. You know, I, like I said, I, it looked like it could have walked on all fours. That's the way the, the limbs were almost like if it, if it stood up, like, I think it almost would have looked weird. Like, I don't know if it could have walked the way that its legs and stuff and the body was proportioned. It just looked like it could have took off running like at us, like a dog would have, you know, just straight up on all fours, even though it was humanoid. Well, I'm glad you made it out of that uh, encounter. Okay. And I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing it. It's, it's, you know, I hear so much bigger, you know, and I don't know if it was a Sasquatch or an alien or what you ran into, um, but it's nice sometimes to get a different uh, type of encounter. It's like I, I was telling your husband, um, the the and actually you and I talked about it too, Alex. The gentleman had on one time where he was talking about the the thing with the tail and it was running around in the. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just fascinated by that. I mean, I was completely fascinated by that. Um, or I can think of like the Christmas show and the guy talking about the little. Uh, green man and i was just enthralled and i couldn't get enough of his uh, encounter story and you know when you hear uh, it's like i always tell people it's not just sasquatch you can run into there's a lot of different things you can run into in the woods and i and i've yeah sasquatch was the furthest from my mind at the time you know oh i can imagine my 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 husband you know he's an avid bigfoot believer and i I am too but you know at, at the time that really was the furthest thing from my mind and you know, he, he even said, you know, maybe it was, you know, an albino one and its hair was so short that it looked, you know, like it was bald or naked or, you know, I guess whatever you want to call it. And uh, I still always just kind of shrugged it off because I, that's not what I feel like it was. I don't know what it was, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think that that was what it was. Uh, it was just, you know, even when I was in its presence, I, w- I wasn't afraid of it. You know, we stood there for so long just staring at this thing. I wasn't intimidated by it any more than it was intimidated by me until it moved. But, I mean, it didn't move until I walked towards it. Um, You know, I I think that if we would have turned around before I walked, I don't know if it would have moved at all. You know, but me being me, I I walked on towards it and it did its creepy body motions and then I was out of there. But, and I I don't, we we actually, uh, after we ran off, you know, we talked about it for a minute and, I guess our curiosity got the better of us and we went back to look for it and there was nothing there, you know, so we, you know, chalked it up and we walked off and when we were walking out of this place, you know, and finally had made it out of our path, there was a, a couple with their dog and he was a white short haired dog and he had that same sort of glow coming up off of his coat. And, you know, that's kind of when we talked about, okay, well maybe it was just a very white creature, you know, and the moon was doing, you know, that hue or something off of it that, 
Yeah, and I've heard that before from other witnesses. As as I was telling you, I had a hunter one time who uh, he saw something kind of similar to what you saw. It was more skinny, and I think it was more of trying to hide behind a tree. Um, And it ended up running off on two legs. But he kind of describes what you described. And he said when he first saw it, he thought that it was naked. He just thought it was bare skin and naked. But it was short, very, very short white hair. Uh, but that's not to say that's what you ran into. Usually, if you go with your gut on what you think, usually you're right 99.9% of the time. And so if you don't think Yeah, well, it, with what, being able to see its bone structure so well, like, I just don't think I would have been able to see its bones, like its spine and stuff like that, as well as I could if it, you know, wouldn't have been just skin. Because it was, it was just so gnarly and gangly looking. It was, uh, it was a sight. For sure, and I bet. something I, I'll never forget. So, well, I appreciate you again coming on the show and and sharing it very much. Oh, no problem. It's nice to actually tell somebody. Like I said, I've only I've only ever told my husband. I think I might have told my mom when I was younger, but you know, it was a uh, it was a scary situation. I mean, I didn't even really want to talk about it, and uh, you know, when I, when I was younger, when it happened, or even you know, over the past ten years, you know, people will bring up stories and stuff of whether they're ghost stories or whatever, things that happen to them, I still don't really just like to talk about it because it's, you know, I never know what kind of reaction I'm going to get from somebody. And uh, I just, I just know what I saw. And uh, I know, I know it was real, <laughs> you know, uh, I know my mind wasn't playing tricks on me. I mean, we, we said if you know, I would have just walked over there and, you know, thought I saw something and then it was gone. That would be different. But I mean, we sat there and almost taunted this thing for a few minutes, you know, and, kind of harassed it until I guess, you know, we made it actually do something. And I'm not, I decided, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe you and I appreciate you sharing it with the audience. And like I said, no, absolutely. You, yeah, usually when I, I do shows like this, uh, there's always someone that I usually come forward and go, I know exactly what she saw. I saw the exact same thing. I mean, I've had that happen so many times on the show where you get these really strange encounters and you think, well, I'm the only one that probably ever saw something like this, but you'd be surprised. A lot of times people will yeah, come forward. Yeah, I've actually never really looked into it. Um, you know, I just always kind of chalked it up to what I saw was what I saw, and I never really delved into trying to find out what it was. And uh, after we spoke earlier today, I, I, you know, sort of looked on Google a little bit, and I actually found somebody on Reddit that described the exact same thing that I saw, like pretty much to the T. And, uh, you know, under the comments, a few people said stuff about, like, skinwalkers and stuff. I don't really know anything about that. But uh, a lot of people seem to think that was what this guy or girl saw that, you know, had posted his or her encounter on Reddit. But uh, what, that was the only person that I saw that, like, literally described the exact same thing that I saw from it being naked to the length of the limbs. And I think he, he or she actually even said that it was crouched down when they first saw it. So it was... It was almost kind of surreal to see that right after I talked to you. And I was like, huh, well, I was like, maybe, maybe it was, you know, something that I I can't explain or that I don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Well, I appreciate it again. Yeah, no, no problem, Wes. I appreciate it, too. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. My email address is Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. Please check out SasquatchChronicles.com. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and I will see you guys next time.